Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for swinging by and checking out Conversations again. We are very honored to have you join us. We are very thrilled with our guest today. I think this is going to be a fun topic. Uh, this lady has been doing this for a long time, and I think she's going to be a breath of wisdom that I hope people embrace and understand. Please give it up and welcome to my guest, the head of producer services for Fair Trade USA, Natalie Marin Jest. Welcome. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here. Very excited my, to share more. Very cool. I'm very excited that you're here. You know, I'm I am I am a pulpit beater these days for fair trade, though I was one early on in my life understanding fair trade, watching fair trade, never really participated in fair trade, just wasn't a part of the business model that I was a part of until later into my career when I started embracing it more. And I think that uh, my, my friends at Wholesome did a very good job of opening my eyes to the bigger picture of what fair trade was. And so I find myself leaning into this conversation a little bit more. Um, I find myself, um, I think, inspired by this conversation a little bit more than I ever have, but I also find it extremely uplifting. So therefore, this platform, which is based on that whole premise about uplifting brands and people and ideas, it only made sense to me to get you on here as quick as I could and our schedules allowed because... I think what you guys are doing really, really cool. And I want people to know more and get a little bit deeper than I see a sticker on a banana at a store and maybe I'm doing good for somebody. And I know that you've got some stories that you're going to share with us. So I'm excited for our conversation today. So once again, welcome. And uh, I got a, I don't know, 9,311 questions, maybe, maybe a little less. I didn't really count them all, but there's a lot in front of me that I want to get to. So if you're ready to go, I'll start firing. Let's do it. Cool. I love it. All right. So let's kind of, Back up. Let's get to the beginning. Let's talk about fair trade as a whole. And first, I'd like everybody to kind of understand your bio and your journey into fair trade USA because I think it's uh, it's a cool story. So please share. Thanks, Todd. Excellent. Um, yeah, it kind of feels like I was always meant to go into fair trade. I cool. <clears throat> was born in Mexico to a French and Spanish family, and. Spent some time in Mexico as well as in California. So I grew up in both places, elementary school in California, uh, middle school and high school back in Mexico, back to university, back <clears throat> in um, college, uh, back in the United States. And so I was able to really understand both cultures, at least within mm -hmm. Mexico and the United States, plus these other <laughs> influences. And for me, I, I have to tell that story to kind of say who I am because I don't feel that I'm from one place. At this point, I think I've lived more time in California, and I do really love California. But um, I feel that that intro for me helped me just really enjoy different places and different right. people for the differences and similarities we have. And that is a core tenet there of fair trade that we'll be getting into. <laughs> so for me, going back and forth helped me also move into my first my previous life in my career, where after right. college, I uh, spent a few years working as a Spanish court interpreter, using my English and my Spanish abilities to not only do written translations, but also spoken interpretations. And that was a trip of its own. For years, I had to learn to become a machine, because when one interprets, you can't have your own thoughts. You have to just mm. listen, compute, and spit out in another language. And so it took me a while to actually create real new synapses in my brain to do this. Um, and it was quite an experience. I learned so much about just the people, the legal systems, and, and so much that happens behind that, as well as injustices that occur sure. um, in the world and the workplace with languages, as well as um, 
the plight of the farm worker, for example. That's the first time that I started to learn more about issues with farm workers was by helping them in um, workers' compensation cases or different hearings, uh, being their interpreter and helping them have justice when it came to that language level, right. I guess you could say, in the first place. Right. It's also a personal experience, really exciting. I mean, I was able to go in and out. I've been in and out of jail over 100 times. Oh, there's something to everybody. There's something that. to be proud. There's something that mom and dad have got to be called cool, <laughs> except it wasn't. But it wasn't for all. The, it wasn't for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Correct. It was for the right reasons for me. Correct. Unfortunately, for the people that were in there, though. Yes, as I was hired by attorneys to go in and act as an interpreter in jail. Right. So in the, the different courthouses in Northern California. So that was a really, really great experience. And um I always knew that it wasn't my interest per se, it was something I could do. And it was something that I learned so much about. I thought for a bit, do I do, do I study more in, um, in law, international law? And right. I didn't because it's not really my path. I don't think the, the path I've been seeing has been, is made up of business, anthropology, development, and the braiding of all of that together. Right. Which essentially equates to fair trade. So I've got in my bachelor's and some master's degrees, I've got anthropology and development studies, as well sure. as MBA and business studies to be, really understand development, structure, policies, and then how do you integrate that into day-to-day -day operational efficiencies and actually, you know, selling value add. So it's been a, it's been a great, great, great process. Um, what a great here. learning. Yeah, what a great learning, though. But, you know, to your point, you, you use a word I use all the time, talking about your path, right? We're, on, we're all on a path. We don't necessarily know if we should go right or left each day, but we continue down the path to the best of our ability. So for you to have that early education, that early experience, I think probably was, to your point, is a part of that path that got you sitting where you are today when you're going, this whole world, as I think we all say a lot of times, needs some help. And, you know, you've got a skill set that puts you in a position to now exemplify that and to move forward with what you've learned and to make a really positive change in so many different ways. Um, and fair trade, you know, is a great avenue for that. So with that big frame up, I'm going to go to my next question with you. And, and really, if you wouldn't mind, give us, the, the, you know, the, the, the 411, right, on what is fair trade? Right. Because I think people don't, you know, necessarily, you know, again, they look at that sticker on the banana or whatever it might be. And they're, they just know just a little bit, but not enough to really get them like me over the edge to go, oh, wait a minute. There's a lot more here for me to digest. So if you wouldn't mind, share what that is. Yeah, that was always a great. It's a great question. Kind of also By the way, I have a lot of great questions. I say this to everybody. I have great questions. Wait, I even have better ones coming. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Stumpers. Okay. <laughs> And, you know, it kind of depends on who the audience is. Also, one can tailor the answer of what fair trade is. When sure. you take a step back, what is fair trade? Fair trade is a framework, a framework for sustainability, a framework to support all actors along the supply chain in achieving sustainability goals and not just go, stopping there, but going above and beyond in the sense of embedding a framework into communities so they could take it on themselves and continue to develop themselves based on their own needs, their own path, not just as individuals, but as communities. Right. And based on everybody's needs and the supply chain as well, it's we live in an ecosystem where we're all connected. 
yet we operate so differently than that. We operate in silos and especially in business. This framework is a way to put some simple policies and measures in place to open our mind to not just think about food safety and what to do if someone gets caught on the line and to take care of, you know, make sure it's all safe for the food to keep passing through. But what happens to that human? We, we take things for granted a lot of times and our program is calling out, let's, let's just name some things. Let's name we're all humans and name right. the way to keep working together for what? For the same goal, to have good products, to have steady supply chains, to have clean supply chains that are healthy and that don't have that negative energy or negative actual factual bad things happening right. in production. So it's a framework. It's a simple framework. I say simple. It's a very complex and uh, deep and broad program, but it is a framework to embed into the operations of growers, of fishers, of factories, um, and all the rest of the folks along the supply chain to optimize existing operations and to really name that we all are humans and we're working together, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, hundred percent. And it is, it is, it is a, it is a way to fully understand. I think you know the three sixty three sixty life cycle of product, right? From from origin. To consumer, it's an opportunity to embrace and connect. And I think as we look at building the next generation of consumers, which are kids today, we look at um, you know trying to change some of the things we do at retail, some of the things we're doing out there, and say all the other things that you mentioned. The framework of of um, working together, which I think fair trade is all about, is something I you know to me I look at as a positive cost of food, which is you know another bell that I I, I ring all the time because I think it's important that these kind of conversations um, are discussed. I want to ask just another question about fair trade. And, and, and the reason I want to bring this up is, is domestic fair trade is something that I don't think people necessarily understand. Um, you know, I've been somewhat criticized for my position about, you know, trying to elevate the conversation about fair trade because, you know, people, why do I need to care about this little kid down here when somebody here is, you know, doing this or, you know, whatever comparison you want to make, which is not always, you know, a fair comparison in certain aspects. But I want to kind of just touch a little bit about what domestic fair trade is, because I think it's important that, the, that, that differentiation is, be, is made. This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Wholesome, grown for good, USDA organic and fair trade certified. Learn more online at wh.farm. Okay. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. Unpacked, to answer that question then in, in sharing the history of fair trade and how we got here. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. So also, and then I'll, hit, I'll finish with the domestic. Go. So fair trade as a concept, as a movement started in the fifties, essentially, right? You have some Europeans mm -hmm. that go to Mexico, Chiapas, coffee farms, and they say, wow, this is amazing coffee. The best I've ever had. What's going on here? Why are the communities not, you know, or developed or what's going on? Ah, there weren't direct market linkages, markets and producers. There's a lot right. of actors in between and more actors in the supply chain, more risks, more issues, most likely less money for the producers. So these Europeans set up this concept of fair trade, having these direct market linkages essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it, it evolves from there into a more of a certification outside of a concept in a movement becomes a tangible certification. And then not only does it focus on smallholders and coffee, but it evolves mm -hmm. to smallholders in other products or other types of production where there's larger producers as well. Right. And the concept, the movement has now grown to not just be in the global south, but also the global north. So all producers, all structures, all types could benefit from fair trade and then participate in the different programs that we offer, depending on the industry. Right. Um, <clears throat> so we went from coffee to chocolate, to cacao, to tea on estates, to produce, bananas, pineapples, to all these greenhouses, hothouses in Mexico and everywhere else, to domestic. And domestic, when it comes to Fair Trade USA, we're the only ones doing fair trade certified certifications here domestically right and what we did is in 2016 we opened the doors to also do certifications here domestically or aka also the global north so united states canada europe new zealand australia um we saw that in ag for example ag work is ag work anywhere it doesn't matter if you're north or south of the border factory work as well you know fishing there's Sure, there's differences when it comes to infrastructure in the, of the different mm -hmm. countries, but I'll share based on direct research in the United States, we might have a lot of laws, but a lot of laws don't apply to ag workers, for example, they're exempt right. from a lot of basic labor laws and the laws that do apply, there's a lack of enforcement of those laws. You might for have sure. one OSHA enforcer for the whole state of XYZ and you can't enforce appropriately there, OSHA or Department of Labor. There's a lot of difficulties with that enforcement. And there's a lot of issues that are happening. Many actors along the supply chain, while there are some regulations, there's, there's just not enough enforcing and really verifying that everything's there. And can that all be enhanced? Yes, greatly. So here domestically as well, there's a great need for supporting enforcement of local laws where they exist right. or helping to go above and beyond because in many states they don't washington i'm not exactly sure where it's at now maybe I shouldn't even be talking about it but at some point and i think it might still be valid um 12 year olds are allowed to work in certain industries and in berries and in, in other industries and so each state has different laws and not all are applicable to workers and not all are being enforced. So we should be caring about people locally. We should be caring about people not locally. Why? It goes back to the topic. Surprise, we're all humans. And so right. is it valid? The other day I was talking to someone and I said sarcastically, oh yeah, yeah. And some people, they were just born to be slaves. Yeah, you know, that's how it goes. No, of course not. We're all humans. And so regardless where we are, the difference would be is how far of a gap, where's that gap of compliance? Maybe in some countries, already some local laws that people are following and it's being enforced sure. has higher levels of compliance. And so you don't have to do as much to get fair trade certified, let's say. Right. And in that case, what is a fair trade certification doing? It's recognizing that you're doing a good job and it's helping you go above and beyond essentially. And right. this is applicable everywhere, domestically and internationally. Absolutely. Well, I mean, look, it, you, it doesn't take a, you don't have to be uh, uh, 
Dick Tracy to figure out that if you take a hard look at agriculture in Central America and other countries, you know, it's a poverty business. And it's crazy to think that, that people that are providing food to their communities and even to the world are struggling to f- provide food for themselves. It makes no sense to me. Of all the things we should be uplifting, our food supply and, and is, is certainly one of them that I think needs to be uplifted. And I love the fact that, you know, the way you framed it up, it's just not produce. It's just not food. It's so much more now that is starting to get looked at. Um, and it's great to see that you guys are here in the United States starting these conversations and really elevating and uplifting these conversations that people need to recognize to your point, how old do you have to be? How old should you be? What should you be getting paid? What is What are the expectations on a global scale that we should have? Um, it certainly is a challenging topic, which is what I love about, you know, what you guys are doing. You know, I don't, not to say stirring the pot because it's not the right words, but you're really elevating that conversation and you're, and you're stirring that conversation forward. And I think it's so important. You know, I guess a, a question, um, kind of a basic question, I guess, back to kind of sum up where you're at. Why is fair trade important? I mean, if you could kind of put it into layman's terms, I mean, why is it important? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, told you. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> Going back to that piece of um, the human side, you know, when you think of a tomato, for example, one tomato has at least a dozen people that have contributed to the production of that tomato, at least a dozen, between the people working in the field, preparing it, the seed growing, all the different stages, all the way to, you know, the pack house, to delivery, to the Mm -hmm. storeroom where someone then puts on show, at least, at least. Every person along that path has dreams, has hopes, has should have the ability to experience a full life wherever in whichever situation they're in. So on one side, it's again for that framework to be applied to understand, yeah, we all have the ability to just, let's create an equal playing field. So everybody touching that tomato, you know, it it can actually be a fair tomato because you have people having fairer opportunities, I guess you could say along that path. Right. At the same, so that's, you know, it's a really deep metaphysical why. At the same time, there's a lot of business value in why it's important as well. What's important? There's two big things that I keep hearing from the growers, at least. Audit fatigue. Okay, we understand there's a lot of things going on there. And we're trying to streamline our program better to make it less of an issue. Right. And labor shortages. Labor shortages is a big issue for growers. From what Huge. I hear, I am not. It's aware. enormous. It is a big, big problem. How do you attract labor? Wages are is one way that people are really trying to, you know, use. Another sure. way that from different research that we've seen, we've seen, learned about or read about too, is people care about how they get treated and what voice they have at a workplace. Our program supports farms and growers to have a wait list of workers. Farms that are fair trade certified essentially say have wait lists of workers because everybody wants to go work for them, not just for the price, but because they get to be heard. They get to be part of something. And then there's this whole concept of the fair trade premiums, those extra cents every time that fair trade certified label is put on a product, a few extra mm-hmm. cents go back to the workers or smallholders, depending on the setting. There's a lot that happens there. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, 
But what does this do? It makes a more attractive and exciting workplace. And so you've got workers coming back. So you not only don't have a shortage of workers, but then a reduction in worker turnover relates to uh, higher quality products. You've got people already knowing what to do, quality right. focusing. Um, when folks are packing on fair trade lines, they pick the best quality as well because they know it's going to go back to them directly. So quality goes up, training costs go down, and overall production is more stable. What does that lead to? Greater partnerships in the market and better reception and desirability and positioning. So fair trade products not only are fair and equitable, but they are actually high quality products in the marketplace as well. Yeah. So reduction when it comes to lower cost of production, um, leading to you know more sustainable supply chains overall right when it comes to the costing at least right right well it, yeah very 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 well said so i guess when i think about fair trade and you talk about you know when i ask the question you know like you know why is it important right but in the same token you know you touch a little about who it's important to obviously it's the people that are working there it's the people that are producing can you touch a little bit about maybe how it's important now to the retailers and to the people that are that are selling you know whether it be clothes let's be fair because it, you know we're in the produce lane i got the roses behind me right flowers are a part of it you know clothes are a part there's a lot of other things just besides you know a tomato or a cucumber that's coming someplace so Tell me a little bit about how it's become important above and beyond, right? Because the retailers need to embrace it because they're the ones that are going to be really that, that frontline messenger of what's going on. But if you take a look at the retailers that have embraced it, they're all, you know, singing the praises about, yeah, it's making a positive difference. So, you know, back kind of like who, you know, how, how is it important to them? Yeah, great question. Because the retailers are a, a big part of the picture here. It's really we're very grateful for all the retailers that have sure. been supporting and we need more to keep supporting um, to keep growing this movement. So first and foremost, it's a stable supply chain. You, it's a, a supply chain risk management tool. Oh, Everything I, like I was just spelling out, it leads to less strikes on a farm, less general just production issues, because if you're depending on humans as a factor in your production, Mm -hmm. then from the core, just have that quality interaction and engagement happen to then have your production and be quality and, and that supply chain continues to be stable, right? Right. So there's, there's many angles to that, but ultimately, yeah, high quality and stable supply chains. Um, at the same time, retailers are now getting on board to have more environmental and social responsibility goals. Well, yeah. the program has both and we can help meet with both areas. We're not just social responsibility. Our program is really heavy there, but we also have environmental components around biodiversity, waste reduction, um, a lot a lot around that. I'm not as right. an expert in that area. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but yeah, definitely helping to meet different ESG goals. Um, we're aligned with various uh, UN sustainability goals as well. So depending on company's own commitments will right. we'll help them get there right and well you know you, you can see you can see the accolades that the retailers are showering upon you guys it doesn't take you know it's not a deep dive on your website to find them you know but they're talking about the positivity that's bringing and look you know people are learning to vote with their dollars more and more today 
people want to be connected with their food, right? And I love, you know, and I, and I, I say what Kathleen Merrigan came out with years ago, you know, uh, know your farmer, know your food, right? People want to be connected with their food. It's a morals and values choice in a lot of ways, right? If they don't have this investment in, in a roll of paper towels. They don't have this investment sometimes in center store, but they do have something that, you know, can really tangibly touch them in a lot of ways. And produce is certainly one of those avenues where, you know, they get to make that morals and values choice. And, and I think it's just super important that, um, you know, the retailers look at this as that opportunity if you create it, not only from a supply side situation, but from a fact that they can actually communicate every time with their customer without actually opening up their mouths in a lot of ways. And that's powerful. You're right. That's the third angle, right? Stable supply chain, their own goals. But why are they setting goals? Consumers. Consumers yeah. care. Consumers exactly. care. And they want to do what consumers care about, right? Absolutely. Whether it's clothes, whether it's clothes or tomatoes, it's all kind of the same. I want to kind of dive in a little bit um, into your certification process and what's involved. And I mean, there's, because you guys are, you know, this is not your, this is not your first week in action, right? This is not your guys, as I said, the first rodeo. You guys have been around a long time. You've had a lot of time to build out a system um, that's incredibly meaningful, right? And to your point about what you guys are driving into it and the way that you're working to, to create that change. So share me a little bit about your certification process and what's involved with it. Okay. Well, yeah, we've been around for 23 years, founded yeah. in 1998. And so we're some older folks in the game, but we're trying to keep it fresh and trying to stay innovative as well. I mean, that's at our core, right? That's what us old folks do. We're fresh and innovative. <laughs> that's what I say. I mean, we're the ones that really helped break the mold when it came to uh, having fair trade, not just be with smallholders, but for it to right. also be fair trade for all, for the large farmers as well where workers could benefit. Right. And then many different industries. So um, through that, we've also evolved our certification process where now we have uh, our certification at origin. Well, what gets fair trade certified is that product and that process and the people at origin, right? right. Whether it's a factory, a fishery or some level type of ag uh, product. Um, and so at that production level, then the producer will have to comply with one of our three standards. We've got an agricultural production standard, a capture fishery standard, and a factory standard. Talking about produce, that's where the agricultural production standard comes in. That is arranged around six modules. We have a module around engagement and that empowerment of the community and the workers and different leadership teams. There's modules around wages, um, working conditions, benefits. Um, there's there's a lot more there in the middle around sure, you know, sure. labor conditions, um, having right. safe workplaces, no harassment, all kinds of good policies there. We also have a module around um, transparency and traceability because at the base of fair trade is knowing where your supply is coming from, right. who are your producers, what is this all about? What are they doing? And who is in that supply chain? So we have a whole component around that traceability. And then we also have a module around an internal management system. This is a, a way, it pretty much is the it's the last, but it's the first module in, in importance in the sense of we require folks to have a system to be able to monitor risks that are happening at the farm, get ahead of those risks, and really do a lot around risk management and to be able to be up um, 
up on your compliance and be able to track it as you need it. Right. And so with it, it, if a group already has their own systems that they're managing their various different certification schemes, well, then this is to be embedded within theirs, right? Our goal kind is plug, to help. Plug and play. Yeah. Exactly. Our goal is to help integrate into existing operations. We don't want to be cumbersome. We don't want to be an extra layer. We want to integrate. There are situations when folks are maybe starting out or they have, you know, different structures where they might not have as many systems. Well, we help them in setting up the system to then not only manage the fair trade areas, but whatever else they need. So we really look at how to systematically help set folks up for success along this framework of uh, the journey of continuous improvement. That's what our program is. I love that. In the standards, we have the various sections I mentioned. There's also two types of criteria. There's critical criteria that must be complied with whenever the timing says. A lot of it is by year zero. Your initial efforts into fair trade, you have to comply mm-hmm. with a lot of things that just are musts right, to right. be able to get that initial certification. Then as you go along that journey, every year you have to maintain the criteria that you had to comply with, and you have to comply with more. So outside of that, there's more critical criteria in years that come. Then outside of those types of criteria, we also have progress criteria. And the progress criteria is kind of choose your own adventure up until a certain point. Maybe in year zero, year one, as you go along, you choose to do certain things first. But by year six in our program, everybody needs to have complied with everything we're asking for, whether they got there early or ahead or late. And then from there, it's maintain. So we help folks layer in compliance in this journey with this framework so they can be braiding their path to a sustainable and responsible, engaged environment, essentially, of production. So that's that's the journey along the standard. And then tactfully, what tech with... Uh, tangibly, what happens is um, folks, you know, apply to get certified within the application. They, um, it's a very important piece to document the scope of the program. That's the, the people, places, and processes that are going to be included in the scope of the certification under the com- the benefits of compliance right, and right. those extra premiums. So that's where we map it all out. And in our program, we go deep. We don't just ask for information and then have people fill out checklists. We go beyond. We have people inform us who all their actors along the labor chain are as well. Subcontracted folks, farm labor contractors, if they recruited workers internationally, who are their recruiters? And everybody gets included in the scope of the audit. It's complex, but it's the real deal. So if there's more people along that labor chain, let's say, you know, the farms using outsourced farm labor contractors for some other workers. Uh-huh. And then some of those folks are recruiting workers on H2A visas from Mexico. Right. Usually there are many people along that way, including on the in-country side in Mexico. The more people, the more risks, the more issues. And we include that full chain in the scope of our audit. So we'll go on site and audit and make sure that that's all in place. There's a lot of programs now that are looking at that extra channel and of course we could recognize and and if people are already doing good things will we recognize that or we help them get there sure but that application is the initial part to scope out who is who are we going to actually be looking at and making sure that's you're they're going to be in compliance with standards according to our 
timing. Mm -hmm. And based on that, we work on scheduling the audit with one of the certification bodies that we work with, external third parties um, that will go and send the auditors to assess against our standards and our schemes. Right. They get audited. If they get non-compliances, they have time to um, work on those corrective actions, figure that out, solve it, and get certified. Once they get certified, certified, they can start selling that product um, with that fair trade certified seal, and premiums start rolling back. Right. Amazing. I mean, and I and I th and thank you for answering the question in such detail because I don't think people actually get it is that complex of a process to really uplift this message i it's mean it's powerful it's, complex, it's powerful it's powerful tangibly though you fill out an application and guess what my team is a team that helps the growers understand and understand you know that pathway of compliance and so we'll right. support with trainings with materials pre post audit there you go the idea right. the invitation here to everyone is get on the journey just get yeah. started and we'll support you along the way Absolutely. Well, how, so I know we touched on a little bit because we said I yelled up clothes and I got the flowers behind me. We've talked tomatoes and snap, but you know, how many commodities slash brands do you guys represent? Because again, it's just not that, you know, it's not the tomato, it's not the cucumber. It's a lot. It is. We work with uh, around 1,400 different brands, market partners, um, close to a thousand growers um, and work in five category, main categories, right? Produce and floral, right? Seafood, yeah. CPG products, yeah. which would include the sugar and the cocoa and such. Coffee, and factories. In yeah, factories, which, there's apparel and home goods, essentially. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's just you know, I think again, I don't think people necessarily. You know, I think some people do, and I think a lot of people that are going to listen to this go, "Holy cow! I didn't realize it was like that broad." Of a, of a brush show could you guys get into i want to drill down a little bit just go ahead please oh quick note the the no. broader the better right because for a long sure. time fair trade was just coffee and i personally don't drink coffee i respect it so much and the circles and so many conversations around coffee but i don't drink it so i wasn't able to support fair trade by drinking coffee but now with more options not just candy and, and sweet things but you know everybody eats some kind of a vegetable one point or another Sure. Fruit. So there's more options and more ways for consumers to also support now, now that there's a broader Absolutely. spectrum. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, you got clothes, you got t-shirts, you got underwear, you got all kinds of things. You got underwear. And as one of our brands says, change starts with your underwear. Bingo. <laughs> I say that every Tuesday when I change mine. Oh, no. I want to switch. I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to drill down a little bit more into this because there's a few different programs that you guys have. And there's a couple of them I want to touch on. Um, that I was really like when I did my dive, did my research, kind of dove into them. But I thought these were really, really cool. So first one I want to talk about um, is your impact management system. Um, you know how you kind of define and measure and communicate a little bit. So can you can you touch on that a little bit? Yes. Uh, Thank God, right. because I can. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, our impact management system. This is related to what we call our theory of change as well. Right. Having theories that we're putting out there in our framework, in our standards, in terms of if we change, if folks change X, Y, Z, what's going to happen? And so our impact management system is there to support with hundreds of different KPIs, key performance indicators, to be able to measure and evaluate the performance against our theory of change our different indicators and our 
our criteria that we've laid out there for change. Sure. And sure. so through this, um, we're able to, I mean, we can go, you know, different levels. We can go really deep um, or, or even look at, okay, well, the number of people that we're impacting. And, right. And that's, the number of, the, right. that's what I was leaning into, right? It's like, what is the number of people that have been impacted per se? And, and, you know, the dollars raised, cause your point, you know, you, you do have a premium. So, you know, you are putting on X amount that are driving these positive change. And that, you know, to me, again, I look at it as that positive cost of food that we need to start embracing because the only way we're going to change our planet for the better is by investing in change. Um, so tell me a little bit, you know, under that impact management system kind of ideal that you threw out there, the number of lives that you've impacted, you know, ballpark, if you, unless you have it, you know, have it. And of course, and then as well as the dollars that you guys have created in what, 23 years, 28 years that you've been around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 23. Yeah. And well, number of lives, we're actually working on getting some updated numbers. So I'm not going to quote a specific number, unfortunately, but it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives yeah. uh, getting close to the million. If we haven't hit it, wow. we or, or hundreds and hundreds of thousands, at least, um, you know, we work with multiple with hundreds of producer cooperatives and each cooperative has multiple members. You could have, you know, from 50 to hundred of multiple mm-hmm. folks. And so, we cannot, we also can be counting it different ways, um, but looking at the producer, individual producers and the, the co-ops, as well as the farms and the workers that we work with. Yeah, it gets to hundreds of thousands. I mean, one large farm in Mexico can have 5,000 workers or 4,500 are migrant workers from some other area. Right. And that's just one farm. So hundreds of farms tallies up yeah would be hundreds of thousands of people but then going back to my other comments when you think of it it's not just one person right we all have families or some level of community we live in communities and so there's there's ripple effects that happen here and when it comes to those extra fair trade premium funds um we call premiums but they're also known as community development funds Right. With, when that label is put on that product, uh, we've raised over 600 million have been generated over our, our time frame here. We're getting close to a billion. There. It's a big number. Yeah. That's is. a real legit number. And, and you know, and I want to touch a little bit on that, kind of dive into it. I, w- I would like to get into, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll tee this up, but I'll, then I'll make my comment. You know, I'd like to know a couple, one or two stories of, you know, that human impact directly, because I know those are pretty powerful. But you know, I, I myself have had the, the, the good fortune of going south of the border and doing a fair trade tour and seeing firsthand um, what has happened in these communities and what it has done. And what impressed me the most is not only has it increased the sense of community, which I think is a great way of winning the day in so many ways, but you take a look at what's happening for uh, the development of young minds, whether it be from the school system, you know, whether now they have access to a computer, they have access to a teacher, they have access to a school bus to get them to class. You know, attendance is, is, is higher in the schools, right? Because they can get there. Uh, there's more kids going to college out of these programs than ever before. So when you think about that level of uplift, I just look at the kids side of it, just the kids alone to me is like, you know, working for that next generation, right? Lifting up, mentoring, and trying to drive positivity through our youth is such an important factor. Um, So that's really something to me, having that experience and seeing the fact that there's a grocery store in their community, the fact that, you know, they've built their, they've taken that money, they've taken that back into the community and how they use it, you know, from the fair trade premiums where they bring that money back into these individual uh, um, uh, communities. 
They built soccer stadiums. They built soccer parks. They have, you know, it's just amazing. It, it, almost the family nature that comes out of this process. So with my big frame up, back to my question I threw at you, do you have a couple of stories about the human impact that I think that, that folks would love to hear? Because I think it's just really special. Yeah, that's, that's a good frame up too. And I think I know where you went. <laughs> well, this is a whole other beautiful area of, it, of our program, right? When it comes to impact of our program, I say there's three levels of impact at origin, right? We already talked about sustainable supply chains and other areas for the market. Um, there's impact from compliance with our standards, whether that's supporting people and getting up to par or mm -hmm. helping to recognize already good actors out there. And there are many. Right, right. And compliance with our standards. There's also impact from the premium projects per se. And I'm gonna talk more about that in a moment. Um, projects, tangible things coming with, from this money. Mm -hmm. And then there's a third area of impact that comes from the activation of our framework, the engagement with one's workforce, the workforce development that happens on large farms, for example. Mm -hmm. That engagement comes from capacity building. It comes from having different teams, leadership teams, and ways of engaging between ownership, management, middle management, and workers, and really engaging together to find solutions to common problems that growers are having. And so everyone can move forward together, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is a really beautiful area as well because it turns into generational impact. You have a mm. lot of people that um, have participated in committees or in different trainings and then speak in front of crowds or manage projects and their children see that and their children end up getting you know more empowered as well. They've I've heard a lot of comments from folks talking about this, of how their child have mentioned how proud they are of their parents speaking in front of crowds. And there's just this ripple effect. When right. it comes to that second piece of premium projects, my goodness, so many good things can happen. And a beautiful part of the program is not just, I mean, there's many beautiful parts, but it's not just that extra funds come down and then you make projects, but it's the process that we have around it. There's a really important part before you can get that impact from the projects, there's a needs assessment that occurs. Mm -hmm. A needs assessment to understand if everybody that's participating and being benefited in that scope of the certificate, um, what issues are they having? Them, their families, their communities, what needs do they have? Education, medi medical related, sure. you know, various categories. And that's a beautiful thing because everybody has needs and different needs. You have needs. I have needs. Different people have needs. We've got Mas Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Some folks, yeah. many folks in this world have many needs around the survival, the basic level of needs. Other folks have other needs till we get to self-realization, right? Right, right. That's the beautiful part is that maybe domestically needs are different, but everybody has needs even here. So the needs assessment piece is a tool to help not just determine what are our needs, what's the root cause of that issue, and how do we create a project to then solve that root cause? Right. That's the main piece. At the same time, understanding needs helps with that engagement aspect where growers are able to understand their workforce better and in general just have a better communication and relationship because there's understanding of, oh shit, 
these guys have to take like they spend four hours getting you know traveling to get here to work and spend all this money to do that it's an exaggeration but it's a tool as well just in general for that ripple effect of impact yeah totally going back to the projects i can give some examples there and dig deeper yeah pretty sexy (laughs) um needs needs assessment we had it's it's so important to dig into it there's an example of a group that did a needs assessment and at the surface saw oh our community has we have a lot of people that have diabetes so they proposed a very fresh committee proposed well the fair trade committee by the way is is an entity that helps develop projects and implement them based on what the general assembly of every Buddy included decides so they're just kind of this representative team but mm-hmm. they don't they don't decide they just you know do the bidding of the general assembly right but the committee then saw okay maybe to solve this diabetes issue we should have a, a program to provide insulin and so my team we talked with them and we helped them in this process we said all right tell us though before you go straight to that solution of insulin why? Why is there a need for insulin? Why is there diabetes happening? They did focus groups, they dug further, and they understood, ah, we don't really know about nutrition. And we're all eating wrong. And we don't even have access to medical care. Right. And so in digging deeper, they saw, aha, our project is going to be focused on two main things, having an agreement with a local clinic to have medical care, and having nutrition classes so that all the young folks could prevent getting diabetes. Then they had a very little project to help with insulin, but really spent focus on eradicating the root cause of the issue. The problem, yeah. And that comes from our sequencing of digging in, needs assessment and going further. It's a beautiful thing that happens because then it's not us saying you should do this project. It's not a brand saying you should do this project. It's the community saying what do they need and they move forward with it. Of course, there are times when brands perhaps want to support with certain projects and there can be an alignment based on needs and such. And that's awesome. It's like a match. Another example is of of how it's so unique, right? How everybody's situation is unique Mm -hmm. in Ecuador, in roses, actually. um, There you go. The roses are grown in very high altitudes, beautiful areas, and it's cold. So traditionally, women would have to wash the family's clothes um, every Sunday. Well, they'd work six days a week at the Rose Farm. And then the seventh day, Sunday, go to a local river, have to get in essentially half their body and wash family's clothes. And there's a lot of women that are doing this every Sunday. What was happening is women were getting sick because it was so cold in the the water. They were also not able to rest on the seventh day, not spend time with family. They got together. They said, what can we do? Ha ha. They put not even that much money into the project, but they put in a laundry facility at the farm where now every worker could go and in the morning drop off their clothes by the end of the day, pick it up. It's clean. It's folded. It's dried. They take it home. Sure, there's a cost, but it's a super, super low cost. It's just for, you know, maintaining and such because they've spread sure. it out among everyone. Right. And premiums have, have sponsored as well. There's different ways to operate it. But the concept there is 
they strategically decided how to use their money did mm-hmm. this laundry facility and my goodness now the community is thriving where women on sunday are studying they've finished the study school they've set up business they do they're with their family they're resting and so many other people in the community have I heard that they also are, are replicating in other places because they have that need as well so that's great that's another example of yeah a little laundry facility it changed the lives of so oh, many women many people yeah absolutely and, and families and, you're right well, and I don't think people recognize that the, the depths of how, where, you know, how does it actually work, right? Again, you look at the sticker, you look at the, on the label, and you don't understand the depth of these levels that this pro, this project goes to. You know, one of the things I, I forgot to mention when I was kind of framing up is, and thank you for saying it, is the, is the medical things that have come out of this, whether it be, you know, a, a, a having a, a clinic in a community that never exists before. And one of the things I thought was really powerful was the fact that these communities here recognized that another community here was struck by, you know, a, a hurricane or a natural death. And these people said, we got to help. But they don't even know these people. But we got to help them. They pulled that, that that premium money and said, hey, we're going to send X amount to them to help out. They had that ability to uplift other people inside their country that were hurting. And that's powerful. I mean, that's really a powerful way to be able to, to utilize their hard work and to put that premium back in. So thank you for saying that. And I'm glad I remembered the hurricane thing because I, I that was a really cool story that I was privy to at the moment that it was happening. It was like, wow, that's pretty impactful. Yeah, you're it's right. pretty impactful. They decided to benefit other people instead yeah. of themselves. That, those funds are theirs. Our regulations are to make sure that everybody communicates and decides collectively and understands what's happening and that there's transparency around that. But yeah, it's, it's Absolutely. based on what their needs are. You talked a little bit about theory of change, and it's one of the things that I wanted to talk about. And if you wouldn't mind, I'm just going to kind of throw up a really broad question and just let you run with it. Um, a, explain a little more detail what theory of change is again. And then, you know, what does it mean? Kind of what have you learned from it? And, and I'd like to know how it's kind of changed you a little bit as a person, because I'm sure it has some impact, you know, had probably an impact on you as well in some ways. Um, but just, you know, kind of how theory of change has kind of helped and impact um, folks. Big question. Very broad. This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Wholesome, grown for good, USDA organic and fair trade certified. Learn more online at wh.farm. And this is what I was referring to earlier a bit when um, when talking about our impact overall and measuring that impact. We've established um, this theory of change is this model. I guess it's what we call, yeah, in general, our model to support with that development um, throughout supply chains and communities. Right. And it's, I guess it's the combination of, of our, our capacity building, our standards in the field, our mm-hmm. standards being applied in the field and um, and those results on that journey of continuous improvement. Sure. It's kind of the, the intention of the goals, our strategies and our goals of what we're trying to do with all that and the outcomes. So the inputs and the outputs and outcomes, I guess. Right. Yeah. We have, we have a nifty little um, infographic that explains it much, or at least shows the different areas where we have three, what is this? four areas we've got having resilient communities right prosperous individuals mutually beneficial trade and conscious consumers 
because it, it encapsulates, I guess, what we do, where we work all across the entire supply chain. I've talked a lot about at Origin, what happens in the process. Sure. We, we support there, but then we also support the exporters, the importers, the distributors, the brands, the retailers, and supporting the consumers and understanding why there's a need and what the solutions are and where they can plug in. Right, right. right. So I guess it's this larger mechanism of our model of how we put in the inputs and the outputs. Um, the theory of change also is on par with our strategy of fair trade for all, where we say it's not just for smallholders, it's not just for certain industries, we can go wide. We recently also started um, looking at the dairy industry and right. had some dairy certified. So it's, it's related to the fair trade for all. And I, it's pretty much that bringing it together, that mechanism. And so through, through this mechanism, we've, we've, un, uh, how do I say it? we've kind of unpacked it. And, um, and that's where we have our KPIs to measure against all the different efforts and initiatives we have, how it right. rolls up into the outcomes. I love it. No, yeah. thank you. Thank I, I just think it, thank you for doing a little deeper dive on that because I think it's uh, I mean it's obviously a very powerful tool that you guys use and I just I, I thought it, it it warranted a a little bit more of a frame because it isn't it is impactful. Um, I want to talk a little bit um, in relation to um, you know share a little bit about your fair trade um, philanthropic partnerships that you have. Um, what is it, you know, and why is it important a little bit, if you wouldn't mind touching on that? Okay. Yeah, I mean, we are a nonprofit organization. And so we do a lot of our innovation and growth uh, into new categories uh, with philanthropic partnerships. Um, for example, um, what is our example? No, we, last year we worked on... Um, a new a platform to better promote producer organizations um, profiles where mm -hmm. folks can be more easily search for that and to connect the market partners better as well as having industry partner profiles so the producers could see. Uh, for example, that was something newer for us. We were able to get you know philanthropic um, support to do that. Uh, we've got some long-time, long-standing donors. We've got um, so individual donors. We've got uh, institutions or you know those groups. It could be corporate foundations or other foundations sure. that are supporting us. And it really is a focus on a lot of the, the innovation, um, I would think, at least lately, or going deeper in certain areas versus right. you know covering our existing costs. We're really trying to focus to to move things forward in alignment with the philanthropic partners. So right. based on our own strategies and, and yearly goals or needs or whatever, our, our five-year plans and such, um, we go out and we search for whether it's new partnerships with folks where we would have the aligned goals, where they also are trying to make change in certain areas. Well, we pitch them in our areas. Or um, with existing partners, you know, are there new phases of the work that they're trying to do where we could dig in deeper together or have, you know, subsequent follow-up studies or, sure. um, yeah, we've used it in a few different areas. So we, we use it to continue to develop our own program, the philanthropic partnerships. We also right. 
use um, have supported partners uh, in the field directly, producers and workers from different partnerships, whether it's folks wanting, you know, in COVID times, there were some folks wanting to provide some relief, emergency relief funds down to the groups as well, um, or leveraged funding where maybe it's a matching um, based on mm. certain needs and projects that different organizations have in the field. Right. There could be different brands that want to donate towards those topics. Sure. Right? Right Whether on. it's in their own supply chain or not. Yeah. So for yeah. us or for our partners, it's a big part of what we do, though, of course, partnerships in general. And then, sure, if there's funding involved, well, we could go further. <laughs> well, absolutely. So how does somebody participate in that program, though? I mean, how do they go about it? Is it something, you know, because I, I, there's a lot of companies, you know, people running companies, owning companies, a part of companies are listening to us, you know, when we, when we air this. And I'm thinking to themselves like, OK, well, how can we participate? How do we get our, you know, how do we get a foot in the pool? Yeah, well, let us know. Um, we have a philanthropy department, a resource development team that is experienced in understanding and trying to understand, you know, what uh, different organizations want to do and helping them find that path to support them in achieving those goals. Sure. I love Whether it. it's directly related to their supply chains or not. Yeah. Okay. So it could be, you know, specific to a, a cocoa or, or seafood or based on the industry of their interest, or it could be on a topic in general. Is it workforce development, for example? Right. Some interest in that lately. That's awesome. But I mean, look, you know, corporations are, are looking to make changes. Corporations are looking to do things. And this is an opportunity for them to, again, put a foot in the pool and see what's going on and see what, you know, see, you know, you can really tangibly see where your dollar goes. Right. And you can be a part of uplifting so much. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you guys have it. I appreciate it. Thank you for kind of for sharing with everybody what it is. One of the things I think is really interesting that a lot of folks do, and, and, and you guys do it as well, and I think it's really an important tool and a resource for people that want to get more involved and want to make choices and understand what choices they can make. And again, back to that voting with your dollar mentality. You guys have a shopping guide that you have. Can you kind of talk real quickly a little bit about, or long, you talk, you talk for an hour, I don't really care, but talk about the, the your shopping guide a little bit if you wouldn't mind. Yes, probably won't be long because I'm not as well versed as some other folks on my it's all right. the org. Um, and, you know, this is something that we're continuously evolving. There's mm -hmm. so many ways that we could present the opportunities um, to consumers that, yeah, there's many ways that we do this. Right now, our shopping guide is organized. Um, we've got a chocolate section, where to buy chocolate. So kind of highlighting chocolate there at the top. New fair trade products, that's another one where really highlights, all right, there's a lot of packaged goods products that are very innovative, that are new, right. so we're highlighting them there. Or if it's a new produce item, for example, we'll highlight it there. Um, we also have a shopping guide to fair trade clothing. Right. That's another one. Um, we talk, and then we, recently we were just finishing up a coffee campaign. So we also, right now on our website, I'm looking at it, have um, some more information about 12 fair trade coffees to start the day right. So we'll help kind of integrate some, yeah, absolutely. some guidance. Uh, we've also got some coconut focus, and then we've got a focus right now also on small businesses to get you through quarantine. So promoting our partners that are small businesses. And then of course the holiday gifts, you'll find that towards the bottom. We've got holiday gifts, gifts for mom, 
and then some more things. So, Sorry, do you have gifts for Todd on there? Is there a section <laughs> of Todd gifts? I'm just asking. Well, we'll have to see about that, yeah. <laughs> well, well, there you go. There's still an opportunity. I love that. You know, produce, that's an area where we're continuing to, to think and, and evolve our strategy because it's, uh, you know, produce is different. It's, it, produce is a, a different realm, right? It's, for for, sure. first of all, many, many consumers, when they go into a store, they don't think, you know, oh, I'm going to buy this brand of a tomato or this brand of an avocado. Those right. in the produce world may be, as we know, uh, but usually folks don't. And so how we promote it and talk about it, it's, it's always something we're continuing to evolve. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're always open to suggestions as well. I love you know, well, is it look, highlighting the retailers where they're at or. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes consumers need help, right? Consumers, consumers have grown dependent, I think, on folks that sometimes do the heavy lifting for them. So to be able to have something where people can come onto your website and do a little deeper dive and get a clearer understanding again about how they can vote for their dollars if they're so motivated to do so, which I hope they are. Um, you know, it's just a nice way of being able to provide that quick, easy access to making, you know, conscientious choices that they want to make. So I'm glad you guys have that. I mean, I've checked it out. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, and again, it's it to, to have you guys help do that deep dive quickly is really important. So, you know, keep that guide, you know, keep that guide going because I think it's, it's really beneficial. Thanks. Yeah. Like I said, we, we want to keep evolving it. I just saw another sure. page. We also have the different stores where folks can buy things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is important where they, you know, they need to, you know, again, it goes back to that. What is my store doing? Right. Where, what can I do? What more can I do? Right. This is an opportunity to do more. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's it. a, that's a big point for us as well. Along that supply chain. So at the consumer level, it's how, how can we help consumers make this part of their own lifestyle, make the, right. these types of shopping and, and, open the door for them to understand. Yeah. Not just what's behind the seal, but to start asking questions yeah. and to start caring what's for sure. behind any seal. <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 um, I was, I, I love doing these because one of the things I say all the time is to go inspire people, right? Cause it's, it's really something simple we can do every day to put inspiration out to other people in the world and support. And you can certainly see that this inspires you. You can see, you know, you've shared how your path has kind of got you, to this point, how, you know, you were on that path and recognized that it wasn't exactly where you wanted to keep going down that path. I mean, I'm sure going to jail a hundred times probably is like, all right, I don't want to do one-on-one. I'm good at a hundred. Uh, Cause it's probably, you're probably not getting a special t-shirt after a hundred, but you know, you have to find inspiration, this job, you know, what you're doing, you're uplifting people every single day, but you know, in order to inspire others, you know, you have to be inspired as well yourself. So my next question, again, a little personal, what, what, you know, who's inspired you in your life that's given you kind of this passion that you, that you find in your heart and your belly every morning to get up and make a difference in the world? <laughs> right, right. Um, you can well, say then, me and just, we can move on to the next question. I don't yeah. really care, but I don't think it is. <laughs> well, maybe next time, we, next episode. Then. Done. <laughs> You know, cliche, but yeah, I'll go to mom and dad. Um, yeah, I sure. had no, nothing wrong with that, <laughs> right? I'm, I mean, very fortunate and, and glad, appreciative to have had uh, a strong family where um, kind of me, like me and my and my sides of anthropology development and business. Um, kind of see that with my mom and my dad. Where on my mom's side, she is pure heart. She's smart. She's efficient. She's quality. But she is pure heart. She's all about 
let's just connect and let's just be real and let's just be right right and on my dad's side he's a businessman and so he's not about emotions he is about quality efficiency let's do this let's move it and i see within myself those both sides i i tried i'm not at all like my mother in the sense of that pure love but but I've got it in me. And so I can, I can engage and I can understand. For me, understanding is the most important thing in the world. You understand? Right. And then you can agree or disagree. But do you understand what's really happening? What, why? And I got that from my mom. And on, on my dad's cool. side, it's, all right, now let's move this thing forward. Let's put some structure to it and let's accomplish those goals. So it's it's been helpful. <laughs> well, it's, Part- it's, it's very apparent that the, the blending you know, has, has got you on your path. <laughs> right. Some empathy, some, some yeah. business make. Yeah. Cause it, you know, I'm not about just charity. I'm not just about development. I'm about making it work. Let's make it work and sustainable in the field. And that's what fair trade's about too. Well, it's a process. Fair trade's a process. And I think that's, you know, it, it, you know, and going back to what you just said about your dad, right. He's a, pro, he's a business guy. He's a process driven, right. It's like, there's, there's a, you know, I, there's your first step in business that creates your second step in business, which creates your third step. You never go from the first step to the ninth step. It really doesn't work that way. They might be fast steps to get to nine, but it doesn't work that way. So I can see that. It's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I I know it's interesting to hear your response and then kind of reflect back on our time hanging out right now. It's like, Oh, okay. I totally see, you know, I can totally see where where mom's coming. I can hear mom's voice in you and I can hear dad's voice in you as you explain things. So that's pretty cool. Oh, tell me something, tell me something too, and I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit. When you and I were chatting and, and we, we've talked about this, and this is something I just find fascinating to me. I don't know, it's your, it's your Houdini, it's your, it's whatever you want to call it, but share something about yourself that I, you know, not a lot of people know. And because uh, it's kind of a trip and I think it's worthy, I think it's worthy of you explaining. <laughs> Sorry, I'm my... embarrass you a little bit, but I don't mean to. Well, that's, that's great that it's seen as, a, as that way. Um, besides my skills of interpreting that have been used oh, yeah. as a party trick. <laughs> um, yeah, I have trained myself to write with both hands, but not just write with both hands, write with both hands at the same time, and not just write with both hands at the same time, but my right hand will write in mirror language, the Da Vinci way, so flipped, and my left hand will write regular. So then I write at the same time, and it's like they're, they're reflecting themselves too. And it's so interesting because once you get into it, you just have to kind of go with the flow and you accomplish it. You can't think about it too much. But it's it's been great to be able to train my left hand and train my mind further in, in holding that ambiguity and holding the different pieces together to make it happen. I, I can't. I just I got nothing. I can't even hold two thoughts, let alone trying to hold two pins. I mean, I, I would I would I, I would cut myself. Something would happen. Something bad would happen. If I would do something. Something or wrong use would pens, happen. Pens, not too sharp pens. That's <laughs> all right. That'd still be a problem for me. Crayons. I can't even. I think it's really cool. I, I'll I, train I, you, gonna, Todd. I'll get you there. I'll try it. You know what? I'm willing to try anything. I'll try it. I, you give me. We'll see how it goes. I just. I don't see it. I mean, I my writing's <laughs> half hieroglyphic, anyways. It's not good. You know. So, but nonetheless, I think it's a pretty. I think it's just pretty cool and share. Like, all right, that's pretty cool. That's a good. Now that's got to be a good party trick. It's a good party trick. Like on a <laughs> whiteboard, it's a good. Oh. You get free drinks all night with that with that, <laughs> with that shtick. I love it. All right, I want to switch gears a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun. You ready? I'm going to put you in the hot seat even all more. Right. I gave you some personal. We're going to do a little TLC trivia. You're playing for big prizes right now. Are you ready? Ready. Cash, cash, huge cash prizes. Huge. Cash for stations. 
well, now you're not playing for anything, so don't get your hopes up too much. If you could time travel, where would you go? Oh, man. Man. Don't pick oh. one place. Oh, man. Oh. You know, it'd have to be to some ancient civilization because I feel they knew a lot more than we do and that we've kind of just steamrolled over. So I'm going to go with Mayans on a party night, not a sacrifice night. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, you know, probably not a Saturday night with the Mayans, maybe like, a, maybe like a toned down Thursday, you know, something Thursday. Like, or maybe a not, taco Tuesday, something like something chill, but yeah, I don't want to be sacrifice. Yeah, I'm feeling that'd be a yeah. little heavy. All right, what bird, yeah, what bird has the longest wingspan? Oh, no, and I have to know a real thing. <laughs> yeah, you got to know a real thing. What the hell? Eagle or egret? Good guess, but wrong. It's an albatross. Of course. It's 11 around foot my neck. 11-foot wingspan. There you go. There you go. Feet. My goodness. Yeah, it's huge. That's a big, that's, that's legit. Have you I seen I didn't realize one? it. I have that? seen one before, but I didn't realize, I didn't realize that it was that. You know, until I, you know, started prepping for this and thought, okay, I got to find something unique to throw at it. It's going to get her off, <laughs> off kilter. All right, here's what, here's one. Here's one. This is a big one. This one, this one is a, even for me is a bit obscure. What's the most common color of toilet paper in France? Pink. <sighs> Look at you go with that one. It's right. That's impressive. Yeah, it's right. Oh, yeah, my family's lived in France. So don't I've gone say off. that. I, I'm giving you the accolades without telling you I, right. You're going, is that right? You just blew it. You could have just been the biggest badass brainiac in the world by dropping that little bit of knowledge. Oh, yeah. But yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, see, there you go. Yeah, yeah I've pink, been to France. Pink. I've used restaurants in France. There you go. Pink. There you go. I did that in honor of the backdrop. Nice. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good one. That's you have been, uh, thank you very much for hanging out with me today. I mean, you, um, you've really given some great insight um, to what fair trade is all about and, and why I believe it's a positive cost of food and why it needs to be celebrated and better understood. I think that's really something that, that, that people don't get. You know, again, I, I talked briefly about some criticisms that I've received, you know, some challenges back and forth to the mindset and, and trying to explain that back to folks. I hope that this broadcast that we put together really answers a lot of those questions for people that, that sit on the fence and, you know, cast stones, point fingers, whatever you want to say, um, because I don't necessarily know they understand the depths of what you guys are trying to accomplish. You know, it, there's the why and there's the depth of the why. And I think you've done an eloquent job of explaining the depth of the why and what it's about. When you talk about uplifting communities, making a difference, protecting supply, protecting the workforce, right? I mean, I don't know how we can have a conversation about workforce and not think about the benefits that fair trade provides, assuring that you have a worker that actually wants to be there, that doesn't leave you because somebody whispers in their ear that there's something better at the next farm over, right? right? And, that and loyalty to go back to growers. Yeah. yeah, helping growers, that's a big benefit. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really important that we take that moment of pause and recognize that. I think it's really important that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, very appreciative, again, of you taking the time to kind of lay it all out and explain it to us. But I have one final question I want to throw at you. Um, if you can just say one thing to clear up any of the misconceptions about fair trade, what would you say? It's doable. It's, it's not a big, mysterious saying. It's not, not achievable. It's doable. Like I said, integrating 
extra things into your existing operations to make you that much stronger. So we will partner with you to understand your existing operations and to help you integrate it and to go further based on the needs that you have. So it's, it's doable. And I've had retailer folks say, how am I not going to pay two more cents for this? You kidding me? Yes. So it's doable. Just, just get on the train, man. There's so many leaders out there. Don't you want to be one? I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you for bringing the message. Thank you for banging the drum of positivity. Um, we need more of it in this world. And, and you guys lead that. You know, if there's one thing I can just say, get on their website. It's not hard. Get on the Google machine, Fair Trade USA, do a deep dive, spend some time reading, educate yourself and empower yourself to vote with your dollars, right? Because it's a positive cost of food. And we need to be making these positive changes if we want to have a positive planet and make, you know, a, a positive difference for the next generation. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you hanging out with us. I hope you had fun. If you didn't, don't tell me it wasn't fun. because you know, You're going to bum me out. No, well, thank you. This was you. great. This is great. This was great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks Absolute. for the opportunity to remind people it's not charity. It's good for business. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> come and please come back. Let's keep talking. Let's, let's keep the conversation moving. Let's keep people informed, right? You know, come on our other broadcast. We can do short snippets. We can blast stuff out. We can get messages out to people because we need to keep this conversation rolling so people can continue to better understand the process. So thank yes. you again for being here. Oh, thank you, Ty. This is great. I had a great time. Thanks for the Absolutely space. my pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. We do appreciate you. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's not that hard to do. You just spent time with us being inspired. Go pass it on. It's good. It's a good thing. Thanks for thanks for listening and thanks for being with us. And uh, we'll see you soon. Take care.